Well, it's really good to be here with you today. I thank you for your invitation, for your heart, for the nations as well. I'm looking forward to working through this passage with you from Luke 10, 25 to 37. I was a simple businessman and a church planter in Minnesota. But in 2006, God moved my family and me across the ocean to Eastern Europe, to the former Soviet Union, to Odessa, Ukraine, and into his great world of cross-cultural work. After an amazing 10 and a half years of seeing God work in Ukraine and across the former Soviet Union, God brought us back to the U.S. in 2017 to serve in leadership roles in cross-cultural work, and this time around the world. Now we get to work in many difficult but wonderful places where we get to see some of the great things that God is doing. God is at work, and I am excited about it. I'm excited to see, and we get to see, what he's doing in so many places. Kim and I now focus on making Jesus Christ known amongst the peoples of Asia and the Arab world. So from North Africa, across the Middle East, Central Asia, and across the rest of Asia. As we talked about during Sunday school, these are very difficult areas. The places we focus in are the places where there are no other followers of Christ. These are hard places to serve. Some of them are great places to live, but still hard places to serve. If you'd like more information on, on your way out after the service today, there's some brochures and things you can pick up here along with your Ukrainian money. Um, and if you'd like to get on our mailing list and get some updates from us occasionally, there's a notebook there. You can put your name and email address on there as well. Are you familiar with the phrase, to kick the bucket? Familiar with that? It's a casual way to say someone has died. Someday, each of us will probably kick the bucket. We will die, and, and I hope that'll be a long, long time from now, okay? But when the time comes for you to kick the bucket, will your bucket be empty, or will your bucket be full? Many of us have spent most of our lives filling up our buckets. You've been given many wonderful things by God. Many loving people have helped you. They've helped you fill your bucket. Your parents, your family, teachers, neighbors, church leaders. And you've used some of those things to develop skills, to develop expertise. Many of you have good jobs, and the bucket of your life has been filling up more and more. Compared to most people around the world, you have much more poured into your bucket. But what will you do with what is in your bucket? Some of you will spend the rest of your life working hard to fill your bucket to the top. You'll work hard at your career. You'll spend your life getting a bigger house a better car, nicer clothes, building your reputation, getting more power, and you'll come to the end of your life with a full bucket. But then you'll kick it over and move on into eternity while your bucket is spilled over and left behind. Some of you 
will spend the rest of your life working hard to empty your bucket. Now, you know that God has given you many things, many good things. And so you give those things out. Come on, help me out here. You know God has been good. See, it's good to sit in the front rows. <laughs> you know that God has blessed you to bless others. You know that these things are not for yourself, but that God expects us to love one another and to care for one another and to give these things to those that he brings into our lives. We'll sit in the front row next Sunday. (laughs) When the time comes for you to kick the bucket... Will your bucket be full or will it be empty? As we look at this story in Luke 10, we will see four different kinds of people. One has his bucket emptied by others. It's stolen. Two of them choose to fill their own buckets. And the last person in the story empties his. It's my hope and my prayer that by the end of our time together here, that you will decide if you will spend your life filling your bucket or if you will spend your life emptying your bucket. Now in our stories today, we see not two, but actually four different kinds of people. Can you find yourself here in the story? Let's look at verses, verse 25. And behold, the lawyer stood up, stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Did you notice this guy's motives here? He's there to test Jesus. He wasn't looking for the truth, but he wanted to test him. Verse 26, he, that's Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? Notice that Jesus gets the lawyer to turn to God's word, to turn to the law. Good job. Verse 27, and he, the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Nice job here, Mr. Lawyer. He quoted from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and he got the answer right. But he wasn't done. He asks another question of Jesus, which is good, because that helps Take this deeper for us. Verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, let's watch for those four kinds of people in verses 30 to 35. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Did you see the four kinds of people there? Did you catch them? The first one is the first man in the story. In verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to, Jer- to Jericho. The first man was the traveler. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The first man, the first kind of person, is the exploited. The exploited. Where our people work, in North Africa, the Middle East, across Asia, there are millions and millions of people who are exploited, oppressed, and taken advantage of. My organization, InnerServe, was started 170 years ago in 1852, specifically to help exploited women in Asia. Women were often married very young, and their husbands would lock them up in their homes and not let them see any other men. Now we think, oh, that's such a terrible thing, but they were actually doing this to protect them, to protect their young wives from outside influence. Unfortunately, since no men could come in, And also, unfortunately, since there were no female doctors, no female teachers, these women went, often went, without education and without medical care. We sent female medical workers, we sent female teachers to these regions to serve these women. Now, that was 170 years ago, but this is still a problem today. Some women are still exploited in this way, and we are still sending female doctors and medical workers and teachers to this region to bring healing truth and to bring the love of Christ. In a different region, I was recently told about a town in the mountains where there are no children over the age 11. Why would would that be? Why would there be no children over the age of 11? The people in this town live in extreme poverty. Little to no education, little to no health care. They struggle to to stay alive by using antiquated farming techniques. They are a a minority group. So they're not cared for by their own government. Their neighbors, the neighboring towns, they don't care about them because they're a minority. They're looked down by most everyone. Human traffickers come through this town a couple times a year, a couple times a year, and the people here are so poor that once their child turns 11 or 12 years old, they'll sell them to the traffickers for a few dollars. But it's enough money to keep the rest of the family alive for a long time, and they have no choice. If you go down the mountain and visit the nearby city, You'll find many of these kids working in the restaurants, but not as hosts, not as dishwashers. As you finish your meal, your waitress will bring a small group of them to your table, and you can pick the one that is to be your companion for the evening. In this place, 80% of the men are working in some way in the sex trade. Exploited. Our world is full of exploited people. 
It's estimated in one part of the world that more than 500 million women wake up every morning exploited. 500 million women. Almost, almost one and a half times the population of the United States. What's on their heart? What is there on their heart? Their heart is there is no hope. No hope. Almost no one cares about these exploited people, but they need to know John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus is the way. Jesus brings truth, and Jesus brings real life. There is hope. He came to earth and died to provide that way, that truth, and that life. So that's the first kind of person, the exploited. Second type of person is also here in verse 30. That's the exploiter. They are the robbers here in verse 30 who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Our world is full of exploiters. They're often the wealthy leaders across the world. And we know us in America, we see this as well, even here in our own city, our own neighborhoods. But it is nothing compared to how it is in other places outside of the West. In Asia, over the last several decades, InterServe has had four hospitals stolen from us by wealthy businessmen. Hospitals stolen from us. Wealthy, powerful real estate tycoons that want the property for themselves have bribed and paid off officials, forged papers, and taken over these large properties worth millions and millions of dollars. They've taken over these properties for their own business interests, and now thousands and thousands and thousands of people in these regions have no health care. Worse yet, these hospitals were the only way these exploited people would see and hear the love of God. But now God is unseen in these places because of these exploiters. We've been fighting for over nine years to gain these properties back, and we're making progress, but everywhere we turn, we find more exploiters. In so many places, almost anyone with any power is an exploiter. Police who require bribes or you go to jail. Universities that require money or personal favors from their students or they'll fail their classes. Bosses who give the best hours and raises to their favorites and not to those who are doing the best job. And I can tell you countless stories of what we encounter almost every day over most of the rest of the world. This is everyday life. In most of the world, especially those areas that we work. The exploiters. Their heart, what is yours is mine, and I will take it. What is yours is mine, and I will take it. These exploiters need to know that someday there will be justice. They need to know Hebrews 9.27, which says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Hebrews 9.27. So that's the first kind of person, the exploiter. The second kind of person, I mean, the first kind of person was the exploited. Second kind, the exploiter. The third type of person is here in verses 31 to 32. 
the indifferent. The priest and the Levites. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The indifferent, their heart is what is mine, is mine, and I'm going to keep it. What is mine, is mine, and I will keep it. But you know, we're Christians. We know better, right? We know much better than this. We know James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We would never have an indifferent heart like this. But let's look at the heart of the American church. Jesus tells us that in each of the Gospels and in the book of Acts that we are to bring his love, his truth to the ends of the earth. We've had 2,000 years to do that and we talked about this during Sunday school and we are doing terrible at it. We talked about how 29% of the world in Sunday school today has no witness of Christ in their culture. No witness, 29%. In over one quarter of the world, if people in these cultures went looking for Jesus, and many are, they cannot find a single person to tell them about Jesus. No one. The gospel is totally unseen by over one quarter of the world. If you have an interest in reading more about the unseen, pick up a copy of this booklet you leave before you leave today, called The Unseen. You can grab one on your way out here. Some great stories about this tragedy that the American church seems indifferent about. Because not only is Christ unseen in 29% of the world, but this same 29% of the world is unseen by the American church. The American church spends more than 95% of its own money on itself. Now, I know this church is different. But that's how the American church looks at this. 95% of, of the money that comes into the average American church is spent on itself. 5% goes overseas. What is on their heart? What is mine is mine, and I'll keep it, isn't it? And it gets worse for every $100 the American church gets. Only five goes overseas, but less than five cents goes to the hard places that do not have a witness of Christ. $4.95 goes to the easy places, the places where there already are churches. Less than five cents goes to that 29%, the hard, place, the hard places that do not have Christ. What is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. God has given so much to America that we could easily send believers to help to the ends of the earth, but we're failing. What is on our hearts? What is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. We're not so unlike the Levite and the priest. We just turn our heads, cross the street, and walk our merry way. So that's the first kind of person, the exploited. The second kind, the exploiter. The third kind of person, the indifferent. 
These are all people like the typical U.S. church trying to fill their buckets. How full can we make it? How big can we get? Lastly, we have the fourth kind of person in verses 33 through 35. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. The fourth kind of person is the neighbor. This person is, loving out, is living out verse 27. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Their heart, is what is mine, is ours, and I will share it. What is mine is ours, and I will share it. Look at the four things the Samaritan gave. First, he gave time, verse 34, he went to him. He gave touch, verse 34, he bound up his wounds, he touched him. Third, he gave him his transportation. He set him on his own animal. And 30, verse 35, the fourth, he gave his treasure. He took his own money and paid the innkeeper. So time, touch, transportation, and treasure Jesus is telling us that the heart of a true neighbor and a true follower of Christ is love. And this is what it looks like, giving time, giving touch, giving transportation, and giving treasure. The real neighbor knows, John 1, James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above. He knows he has been blessed by God, and he knows he has been blessed by God so he can bless others. The number one influence Christians can be is to love others, to be a neighbor. Transformation in a culture, in these hard places where there is no witness of Christ, in a community, in a family, or even in a person, does not begin with a sermon. It doesn't begin with the four spiritual laws. Transformation begins when someone goes to a community and loves God and loves others. The Samaritan, the loving neighbor in our story, didn't start preaching to the exploited man. That would have been ridiculous. He was a loving neighbor. The exploited man didn't need a sermon. In the story, the Samaritan didn't even speak to the exploited man. The exploited man needed a loving neighbor. The same is true for the millions and millions of exploited and exploiting people around the world, especially in those hard places where Christ is unseen. This is what we do. We need to send loving neighbors to bring their time, their touch, their transportation, their treasure to these places, and Christ shows up in them. These exploited and exploiting people don't need preachers or evangelists. They need loving neighbors. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we call this holistic transformational living. It is what Jesus is calling all of us to do.
to love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We are all called to do that. How do we do this at InterServe? How do we send loving neighbors to these hard places in North Africa, the Middle East, across Asia, to share their time, their touch, their transportation, their treasure? Well, we send them according to their talents. More specifically, according to their profession. God has given each of you talents, each of you skills, as administrators, agricultural experts, business people, community developers, education, teachers, engineers, hospital spe- hospital, hospitality specialists, IT professionals, law, media, medical health experts, doctors, nurses, skilled trades, theologians, church workers. Who did I miss here in that list? Retired people. Oh, yes. Can't forget those retired people. Don't waste your retirement. It's a gift God has given you. We send loving neighbors to these difficult places where they work their profession. They bring the talent that God has given them. And they just love God and they love neighbors and people take notice. That's holistic living. It's not standing on the corner and preaching. It's just loving God, loving other people. We send loving neighbors to these difficult places where they work their profession, but also live a life as a loving neighbor. When you live a life of love in a place filled with the exploited, filled with the exploiters and the indifferent, it makes a difference. And over time, it transforms cultures, physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. You can go to our website, Choose menu, service opportunities, choose your profession, and the opportunities will show up. The hundreds of opportunities that you see there are only the tip of the iceberg. Take your talent overseas. Take your time, your treasures, your transportation, and take your talent overseas. We'll get you a job, and you love God, and you love your neighbors. That's God's plan. We've seen the four kinds of people in our story. Which one best describes your heart today? Maybe you're the exploited. You think there is no hope, but there is. And you're at the right place to find it this morning or are you the exploiter you're thinking what is yours what is mine is yours and you want to take it maybe you're the indifferent who's thinking what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it or are you the neighbor what is mine is ours and I will share it well Jesus clarifies which person we should be with a question Here in verse 36, it's Jesus' turn to ask a question. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He, that is the lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go 
and do likewise? An excellent question. This question examines our hearts today, whether we are living overseas or whether we're living in Havertown. Are you a loving neighbor? Tomorrow, when you go to work or you go to school, are you a loving neighbor? All of us are going to places where Christ needs to be seen. God has given each of us a talent, and he's given each of us neighbors. It might be a neighbor on the bus or the train as you go to work. It might be the neighbor that you work next to. It might even be that guy that cuts you off in traffic as you rush off to work. God made us to be loving neighbors, the person that empties our bucket. He loves each of us so much that he has given us many things, including his son who died and paid for our sins, so those who trust in him alone can have an eternal relationship with him. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, so we would spend our lives doing good things for others. Don't waste your life filling your bucket fuller and fuller. But spend your life giving and building up eternal treasure, one that you can take with you to eternity. So when it comes time for you to kick your bucket, will your bucket be full or will your bucket be empty? What will you do with your time, your touch, your transportation, your treasure, and your talent? Let's pray. Lord, we know that there are many exploited and exploiters out there in the world, and we we pray for them, that you would intercede, that you would intervene. Lord, bring people into their lives to help them find real life, to find true life. Likewise, Lord, we pray for the indifferent and we pray for the neighbors, that we would use the things that you've given us to empty our buckets, to give to those around us. Lord, this is not an easy thing, and we ask that you would help us, that you would guide us, that we would follow the example of your Son and be people of love and people of giving, people of serving. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And in the end, when you kick the bucket... May it be empty. Amen.